welcome to the Sin of Our Fathers podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kuhn, joined as always by my oldest brother, Michael Kuhn. Eight and three, baby. Eight and three. And from his remote, safe, and secure location, my middle brother, Matthew Kuhn. Hey, guys. There it is. Sounds like he's right here. Audio's all good. We are. You are correct, Michael. We are eight and three. And if the season ended, we would be in the playoffs now for two straight weeks, which oh. just feels ridiculous. I don't remember being in the playoffs. <clears throat> um, I believe you that you don't remember because you were uh, ripe like nine years old whenever it happened. A gentleman's nine. <laughs> gentleman's nine. Um, I really do feel like we're like the most boring eight and three team like in the history of the NFL. <laughs> I don't know. Watching Nick Chubb is not boring to me in any way, shape, or form. Um, I think we might have the worst defense for an 8-3 and three team in the entire NFL, but our game script has allowed that to be the case. Do you think that anyone looks at the Browns and is like, I don't want to play them in the playoffs? I kind of feel like we're the team that everyone's I, like, I ah. do. Okay, tell me about I that. I actually do. I think I think that offensive line, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, plus like Miles Garrett, gives people problems. Especially if you don't feel good about your front seven. If you don't feel good about your front seven, you do not want to play the Browns. Because they're just going to bring it to you. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, I think for certain teams, it can be a bad matchup. Um, yeah, it's, it's all matchup based. It, it's so interesting. And like the thing that I keep going back to is it's so nice, though, to be boring in some ways in that we're eight and three and it's not sexy the way we got here. We didn't we actually looked pretty bad against the best teams that we've played, but we have absolutely taken care of business in every other game that we've been expected to win. Yeah. And being on the side of the more prepared, like well-coached team feels weird first of all but it's just so dang nice like to be sitting in this game mark you made the comment multiple times i kind of feel like i'm taking your your statement but i felt the exact same way there was even though this game got close at the end i never doubted that the browns were going to be able to close this game out and like take care of business and win the game like i had zero anxiety during this game like while the Browns were playing, even as we were down during various portions of the game. And as, you know, we got a ridiculous penalty, you know, that penalty called on Vernon that like kept the drive alive. They scored the touchdown. And even when they were going for the two point conversion, I knew that even if they converted it, that I thought we were going to win. Like I felt good and confident about the final outcome of this game throughout the entire time. And it's a reflection of Stefanski and how well this team has performed in all of these situations throughout the entire year. Yeah, there's no way I would have felt the way that I felt yesterday if this game had been played in 2019 or 2018. I would have been like, oh, just another one. Here we go. They're going to convert the two-point conversion, and we're going to lose to the Jags at the very end. And uh, even the non-converted two-point conversion earlier in the game didn't come back to bite them. Uh, but yesterday, I just felt so confident. It is kind of boring. It's not as exciting. It's not really the Browns that I fell in love with. <laughs> I, I I was more of a, a masochist like back in the, the day. Your seat yeah, kid, you know. Yeah, the heart gets pumping a little bit more whenever you know there's you know an ill-equipped um, pilot at the helm. 
Yeah, when you're always <laughs> about to lose. Uh, where, where it might it might land safely, but it might just crash and burn. Yeah, right to the ground. You just never know what's uh, gonna happen. Yeah, um, but overall, I would say besides those scares right there at the very end, um, I felt like we were in control most of the game. If it wasn't for that ridiculous, ridiculous non-first down at the very end, we would have gone down and scored a touchdown. We were up. Uh, we were up eight points. Eight points at the time. We would have scored another touchdown, put this game away. It would have looked clean on the stat sheet. Everyone would have been like, oh, the Browns took care of business against the Jaguars. But, like, in that, what you, world? And you're talking, about, you're talking about the sequence on our second-to-last drive. Yes. Where oh. on second down, Kareem Hunt was called down two yards short of the first down line. And then they replayed it, reviewed it. It was, it was like, five yards short. And they reviewed it. They moved it like... They didn't call it five yards short. They called it... Two, maybe two and a half yards it was, short. It was, yeah, it was like two yards short, but he wasn't short. He probably should have had the first down, but they called it just short of the, the yeah. line to game. Rewatching, I didn't understand how they determined that that's where the ball needed to be spotted. It seemed quite clear to me that he I had made no it. idea. There was there was no explanation for it, and it was so bizarre. Watching this game reminded me of that Raiders game. Was it last year or two it seasons was two ago? two years ago. Where, where Carlos Hyde got the first down and then they moved it back, like the, the horrible spot. Just like when the refs were so just like clearly in the wrong about something. And you're like, how can this no, be No, happening? no, no. They weren't wrong about something. They were wrong about like four things like yeah. back to back to back to back. No, it, it felt very much like that, and yet the the vibe around it felt so different. Where in that Raiders game, it felt so desperate. Where it was like, no, we we need all these things. Do to not happen. take this away from yeah. us. Yeah, yeah. And in this game, it was like, you know what? I was laughing. Like like oh. that's stupid. That's hilarious. Like that's blatantly wrong but but we can move forward and we're going to move forward and then the vernon thing happened and it, it felt a little more desperate because it was getting down to the wire but I, I mean the jags at the end of the day weren't doing much so the, it felt almost inevitable that we were going to win the vernon thing was so frustrating because we did exactly what we needed to do on fourth down to close out the game and then it was the uh, helmet to helmet contact on the quarterback like I can't really argue with the call. It was just super disappointing. So I, I have a question. So it was just an odd emotional game to watch. Like hard, hard to know what to do with all of it. There were there was laughter at points of the game. At what point did you laugh the hardest while watching this particular game? I'll go first because I can remember one particular moment that we died laughing. It was. At the end of the game, when the Jaguars were going for their two-point conversion, and I and Mike Glennon went to roll out, and you saw <laughs> that there was a clear path to him getting to the pylon, and then he just couldn't move his <laughs> legs fast enough, and he had to bail out and fall back and try to like throw a ball to the back of the end zone because he just couldn't get his body to move fast enough. Whereas like any other like random sample of the population that's like male and between the ages of like 20 and 35 might be able to make that happen. Might be able to reach the, that pile. The funniest part was like the self-awareness of it all though, where <laughs> when he decided not to run, he still had wide open field. He just knew that he wasn't going to beat out the defenders who were trailing. <laughs> yeah. 
And I think he was right, too. I, I think he made the right decision. <laughs> there, at that point in the play, there was no chance for them to convert the two-point conversion. One of the funniest things that you said to me, Michael, <laughs> is whenever they went for two the first time, yeah. and you, you were like, they're going to go for this, and that's what's going to lose them the game. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. I don't know why they're going for this right now. And then, as it turns out, it just about did. It basically lost it them the basically game. basically lost them the game. We could have gone into overtime and we would have seen what, yeah. what would have happened. But, but yeah. I think it was a brilliant tanking move. I think it was, you know, the reason that um, their coach still has his job and that the GM was fired after this game. The coach is listening to what he's been told and he's tanking. Doing the right thing. So so there's there's that, but there's also, like, to go for two to go up four – you're basically just conceding that we might need a field goal to tie going forward. Like our defense is definitely going to give up a touchdown (laughs) and we might need that field goal. So it's, it's also kind of hilarious. Just like the, the, the chess game that's being played where it's like, yeah, our defense sucks. So uh, the lack of confidence in it all. (laughs) The other great part about it was, it was like, I think we lined up or did something wrong on the extra point. Like they were lining up to kick the extra point and, we had a penalty that yeah, gave them an extra yard. Or something. Yeah. They gave them an extra yard. And so then they lined up one yard at the one yard line and still passed it. <laughs> like, yeah. if, you, if you get the extra yard, it wouldn't have mattered. If you're getting the extra the yard, yard um, it wouldn't have mattered. it's just hilarious to me. I think it was just a good tanking move. You oh, know? yeah, yeah. If that was, if that's I true, think I think that's brilliant. Um, I applaud them. But yeah. who, who's making that call? There's no know. way Doug Marone's like in on the tank. Doug Marone's getting fired. I don't know. He could be a really good soldier. A company man. Um, yeah, I don't know the point that I laughed the hardest, but that, that first time when they went for two, I thought it was the most baffling. Honestly, after they said that it was not a first down, when I don't know if it was just the camera angle or what it was, what the deal after fourth was, down after fourth secret. down when we went for it on that our second to last drive. second to last drive not when we were kneeling the ball down but um when they showed the camera angle and the ball clearly was intersecting past the sticks and by every other football game i've ever seen that's a first down quite literally quite literally every single other one and then the ref yeah. had the audacity to do you know how they do that thing where they put their hands up and he had his hands a foot and a half apart. That this is how far it was. And then, and then he looked at no, no, no. And then he looked at his two hands, and he was like, "Well, it wasn't that far." And he moved it a little to more like a foot apart, and tried to make it seem like that's how far we still had to go for the first down. I, I, and I, I couldn't. I can't. Thinking about it now, I can't contain myself at just the. Just the flippancy, so the, the flippancy because, of it all. Because watching that live, I was trying to to maintain like the the realistic perspective that I that I like to have and be like, you know, the camera angle it might have showed that it looked yes. like a first down. Maybe it wasn't. There is no way it was a foot and a half. Yes. <laughs> And it's half a yard. And he just he just didn't give a shit at all. At the end of the fourth quarter. Oh, it was so it was bad. So bad. I, I will say though that that is we were talking about bad ref things that the has happened to the Browns. And we talked about the Carlos Hyde first down. 
I will never forget the Washington fumble recovery where I'm the pretty sure where Duke fumbled Johnson it. fumbled. And then one of our players got the ball and was out of the pile. And there was, a, and he was holding the ball next to the ref while the ref is digging in the pile, trying to find out who has the ball. Can't find anybody with the ball. Standing right next to him with the ball. Out well, of the it pile. can't be the Browns that got it. It can't be the Browns that got it. They just gave it to the Redskins, and it was never questioned again. <laughs> and it was My like, favorite about what that do you, what was do you do? how little that registered on, like, the NFL radar. Like, it wasn't, like, it wasn't, like, a scandal. It wasn't anything. It was just like, what are you going to do? Yeah, it's like, my goodness, when in other games, I've seen refs pull out index cards to measure to see yeah. if it was a first down or not. And we just are like, well, seemed like a foot and a half to me. There was there was also uh, one more funny moment. There was when they brought in Gene Steratore to talk about talk about some of the stuff that was happening. And I think it was near that uh, Kareem Hunt sequence with the 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 challenge on second down and the then drop, the fourth down the drop pass. Uh, yeah. coming up short. Uh, and Gene Steratore talked about how when when refs start drives, they like to start them on like on like the yard markers so that they get to they they have have that reference point to reference it. Yeah. And we talk about that like football being a game of inches and being like you you're coming up just short of something, whether whether it's the go the goal line at the end of a game or whatever. And you've got the refs just moving the ball forward and backward to start it on like a <laughs> A yard marker. Yeah, on those kickoff returns, they're like, ah, this we're rounding up or down yeah, to the closest yard line. Exactly. Oh, yeah. when a punt gets punted out of bounds and the ref is forty-five yards away from it, and then he runs up <laughs> to try to decide where he thinks the ball crossed the plane to go out of bounds. <laughs> that is, there's... it's just so ridiculous. Like, like I love the cosplay that's involved in everybody pretending like this is a precise, like science. I'm fine with pretending. It's literally just a guessing game. I'm fine with pretending, as long as we come out on top, um, which we did. I, I wonder uh, – you have someone else to say, Michael? Well, I, like, let, let's go to each side of the ball and yeah. kind of like break down like who what what we saw in this game and um, who deserves some attention. Yeah, I, that's what I was about to ask. I wonder who do you think um, was either the most impressive or the most disappointing or position group that you found most interesting in this game? We'll start on the defensive side of the ball. I'm going to give props for the first time this entire year to Andrew Sandejo for his first ever pass breakup as a Cleveland Brown. And he actually had two, although one, only one registered on the stat line. He broke up that deep pass um, early in the first half that like really had a really good chance. It was going to Keelan Cole to be a touchdown, and he actually made a play on the ball. He's been there in position to make a play on the ball countless times, but he's never actually touched the ball until this week. Not only did he make that play in the end zone, but he also made the game-sealing play at the end uh, as he got in the front of the pass during the two-point conversion for the Jaguars. So uh, a little golf clap for for Andrew Sandejo. Absolutely. When uh, Ronnie Harrison went out, and I was worried. I was worried about this game. I was disappointed for him because Ronnie was really looking forward to this game, playing his former team. But Andrew Sandejo, according to PFF, was our second highest graded player on the defense. Far cry from where he's been the entire rest of the season. When I rewatched the game um, earlier today, there was one play. I don't even remember what it was. There was like a pretty basic run play that like went out wide, 
and Anderson Dejo came in from the top going a million miles an hour like As he, he does. always like he always does and completely whipped but like you just see a blur go across the screen and it's like oh that was Sendejo like it, it was hilarious he always tries hard that is not something that I can take away from Sendejo um what about you Matthew he's reminds me of a special teams player that has been like forced into like defensive duty you know like like just an effort guy yep oh. Yeah, absolutely. Let's keep him around for that reason alone, but let's get let's replace his position, no doubt. Did yeah. you see him after that pick on on the two point conversion where With he was the like blood coming down his face? His face? Yeah. I respect it. I respect it for sure. Um dudes out there hustling, it must be frustrating to be trying that hard and still be getting shit on by everybody because you're not that great. Yeah, welcome to the world. That's how I feel every single day. Just trying. I'm just trying my best. It's just not good enough. It's just not quite making it. The, world, they just keep, the man just keeps putting you down. Keeps kicking me to the curb. Um, what about you, Matthew? Anything on a de- the defensive front that you noticed? Um, we're just decimated. On the on the defensive front, I mean, even watching the game and then looking at the snap counts, I mean, we we basically had the same front four for for just about the entire game. We we weren't able to rotate. Um, I commend those guys for for putting in the effort that they did. Vernon's been great the last two weeks. Um, with that, I don't think he should have been called for that penalty at the end. I mean, he came through and sealed the game for us there, but. Um, our linebackers aren't very good. Uh, <laughs> Mac, Mac Wilson did the one thing that Mac Wilson does well every once in a while, and that's uh, play the ball in the air um, deep down the field. And that, he's a liability, and I, I can't wait till we get healthy. I mean, at this point, we're, we're missing our, our two best safeties, probably our two best corners. Uh, our best defensive end, best player in the league. And we're still getting it done. So I commend those guys because yeah. the fact that, I mean, we were only Jacksonville, but we and they did enough. Yeah, nevertheless, it's an NFL team. Every NFL team is a tough game no matter what, um, especially when you're decimated like that. And uh, there, was that one, there was that one BJ Goodson pass breakup that I was really impressed with. I think early it was on. early on in the end zone. Um, I was really pleased with that. I mean, and in years past, in games like this, when you're missing your top corner and your top like defensive line player, like we just assumed that was going to be a loss. Like you, you can't win that game. Like it's just not going to work out. And they yeah. did they did what they needed to do to pull off the W. Like even against a team that's not as good as us, that's fine. But like in years past, like we didn't even think we had a chance, and we just kind of chalked it up to well, we were missing A, B, and C. Yeah, but this is a sample of this is what it looks like to actually be a good NFL team because we can always chalk up that we have these injuries and these injuries are the reason why we're not playing very well. And it's a nice excuse that I always leaned on as a crutch. But the reality of the situation is in the NFL, I mean, every team is decimated with injuries every single season. And you have to be the team that's going to overcome that. Uh, Stay the healthiest reasonably, but also be able to have a next man up and play well. And it just feels like, Stefanski is capable of being our leader who's going to be able to do that. And so I'm really excited that. And you mentioned Vernon, Matthew. I mean, Olivier did never get 
credited a sack, but he had five total pressures. Um, I've been really pleased with him um, in the absence of Miles Garrett. Um, and it brings up brings up some questions. I don't know. Can he continue to produce at this level like me and Michael talked about? Um, after Miles comes back, we'll see. But um, I hope so. I think the biggest factor there, I said it last week, is just that I think he's healthy. And he hasn't been really healthy all season uh, yeah. until now. I think the bye week was really helpful. And um, I think hopefully we'll see a much better um, bit of pressure coming from the defensive line now that Miles will be back. And yeah. we're going to need it, too, because Denzel Ward's going to be out for a while, I think. I mean, I don't think it's a two-week deal for Denzel Ward. I think it's a three, four, four-week <clears throat> type injury he's got going on. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes on the IR later this week, depending on how he, he responds. Uh, the three-week IR. So so we'll see. I mean, our our secondary is a little ragtag bunch. I mean, right now, Terrence Mitchell is playing great. Um, he's our he's our top corner. He was a guy who we wouldn't have been surprised if he got cut coming into the year. Um, he's showered himself in glory. Um, so credit to him. But yeah, and a, we're we're getting and a big prayer that that um, Ronnie Harrison injury is not that bad. Who knows what it could be? But I there's there's not anybody that I've been more impressed with um, so far this season or surprised by than Ronnie Harrison on this defensive secondary and that's what we need the most. So I hope that he comes back far sooner rather than later. I think you guys are saying, um, I don't know if we said it on the pod, but he's getting an MRI, which would, like you said, Matthew indicate some sort of soft tissue injury or ligaments or something like that, but not a broken, uh, clavicle or anything. We saw him hanging that shoulder down. Um, so we'll see what that is, but we need him back badly. Um, all right, well, let's move on. Let's talk about the offensive side of the ball. Um, we scored 29 points, um, or 27, but, um, yeah. What did, what did you guys think offensively? I mean, Nick Chubb had himself a game, obviously. I mean, the run game was phenomenal. Nick Chubb averaged seven and a half yards a carry in this game. I mean, (laughs) it's ludicrous. Seven and a half yards a carry. And it was just kind of like routine. You got to see a lot of the Nick Chubb, like, made it to the end zone and, like, literally had no change of facial expression. No smile. Just, like, That's what I do. walked, like, straight to the sideline, did his thing. Um, the most interesting thing – wow, Mark, really causing problems here in the studio. Um, the, uh, the most interesting thing to talk about, I think, is Baker Mayfield and what everyone thinks about Baker and, and his particular game. I mean, he has been getting all kinds of crap for the blunders that he had, and he definitely had some really like obvious misses that looked terrible on the surface. But he right. made some ridiculous throws throughout this game that if he hadn't been able to make those throws, like we would not have been moving the ball and would not have scored the number of points that we did. And so like you kind of have to take the good with the bad. Um, I mean... What do you all think? All right. I, so no. I, I saw an interesting – I watched a lot of football yesterday, and I saw a really interesting composition of uh, Patrick Mahomes' throws yesterday. <laughs> There's a lot of throws that, that miss and just look bad. Now, the Richard Higgins touchdown throw is inexcusable. It's just bad mechanics. It's it's not getting your feet set. It's, it's not reaching through. But – there's some 
Baker misses that other really good quarterbacks in the league miss also. I just don't feel like we pay attention to it. Uh, the fact that Baker is hitting those, those throws into Jarvis, like in tight windows, putting that ball low and away on that touchdown pass, like where only he could get it. Like the those, most... those are the things that not everybody can do. And those are the things that are special. Like that, you, that you touchdown pass placement was quite good. The most ridiculous throw that Baker made on the day though, was the ball. He rolled out a little bit to the right and we were, I think the play started on the right hash. One? No, the play started on the right hash, and he threw late in the progression back all the way across the field to the left to Jarvis on, like, a freaking rope. Tight coverage, put it just outside where Jarvis fully out, had to reach fully out in order to catch this is, it. This is like that deep, deep crossing route, like, to Jarvis over the middle of the field. Yes. Yeah, that yeah. the defender was in position to make a play yeah. like Baker <laughs> probably should not have thrown that ball, but he did throw it and put it in literally the only spot that he could have. Um, yeah, here's nothing is. I, and I was frustrated with Baker when I watched those like misses, right? Like that throw on that infamous, these three plays that we've talked about nonstop to um, Kareem hunt that he just missed. He missed an easy throw to Kareem hunt that led to us having a turnover on downs. Um, and, that's bad. Like that's inexcusable. I don't want it. But his good plays equaled his really bad plays. And the 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 Higgins um, miss. I like you said, Matthew. It's inexcusable. But when you look at the last four quarterbacks that played the Jags defense, those four quarterbacks are Ben Roethlisberger, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, um, Baker Mayfield performed better than all four, all three of those other quarterbacks against the Jags in the last four weeks. I could read you all the stats, but it would be super boring. But Ben had 89.7 rating. Aaron Rodgers had a 108. Deshaun Watson had a 109. And Baker had a 116 yesterday. Um, like, he he played well. Um, good enough the for good, me. The good is outweighing the bad. Yeah. The, the bad is very visible, and it's obvious. And there there are those moments that are just infuriating. But the good is outweighing the bad. And, like... And Having been a Browns fan since 1999, when they come back, like we got to put this in perspective. When we were asking for a quarterback, like yes, oh. we all hoped that we were getting Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, like in their prime. But most of the teams don't have that. Like you got to take the good with the bad sometimes. And if Baker falls in in that, like I don't know, like 20 to eight range in the nfl like rank quarterback rankings like that's a lot better than what we've had for a long time oh yeah in the doldrums of like those years where we were begging for a quarterback we would have killed to have an average quarterback like oh, baker mayfield gosh, yes oh absolutely i mean we have killed. we have competent quarterback play yeah. like and kevin stefanski gets a lot of credit for that like like what they're asking baker to do is is very very simple and rolling him out and giving him giving him like clean open reads and all sorts of stuff and i mean we can um, quantify that by their they're not being an off season and the fact that they didn't get to install an offense in person um in an off season and so let's let's be patient we're eight and three we're winning so it's working baker's statistically fine um so let's not go go crazy here i see yeah, but um, I haven't had some 
some friends of mine who aren't Browns fans text me about uh, whether the Browns were going to pick up Baker's extension, uh, fifth year option in the offseason. And it's not today. even a question at this point. Like it is like what it is you an absolute like, certainty. Yes. There's not there. The only other option would be we draft someone super late in the draft, which we're going to have a late round draft pick. Who's not likely to be someone that we can plug and play. We start case Keenum or we like, look to free agency like baker's our quarterback next year 100 percent. and i think I mean, he's gonna I think be it's our quarterback. by far the most likely scenario but i think there is more options than you're leading to believe i think there's gonna be a lot of quarterback movement this offseason like even on the athletic today mike sando had an article that was just prognosticating about what's gonna happen with matt stafford like if the lions are you know moving on from their coach and gm are they really gonna stick with stafford long term and what are the options? And of the top five options, the Browns were one of the options that were considered. And it makes a little bit of sense in, in, in my eyes. Anyways, well, I would imagine that we'd be an attractive place for any quarterback to come, and we could basically get yeah, most people that we would want. But I'm sticking with Baker. I want Baker to sign. He's getting better week after week after week, as far as I can tell, <laughs> from this season. He is better now than he was at the beginning of the season. And last year, he was super bad. This is a far better Baker Mayfield than I saw last year. And I want I want to sign him to a long-term deal, and then I want him to continue to get better. That's That would be my dream scenario. Um, I mean, in, in my mind, and Andrew Barry's a smarter, way smarter football mind than, than I. For sure, no doubt. But in my, no doubt. In my mind, the only two options are: you pick up Baker's fifth-year option, or you try to extend him this off-season at a, uh, a a team-friendly number, where you are still projecting him to improve. And if he does hit that improvement, then you're you're in a, a favorable cap position because you've got a a quarterback that's performing up to level at a below market value deal, which we're going to need. We're going to need with all these players that we have. Like, I don't like the option of bringing in some big quarterback. That's going to cost us a lot. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to bring in Stafford and pay him $35 million a year, whatever it would cost. He's got two more years on his deal and it's only about 20 million um, each year. It's like super, super reasonable. Now he'd well, probably at, he'd at, probably want a new you, deal. And, you, yeah. Like take out the guaranteed money and the signing bonuses and stuff. What's that? Only like four million dollars a year. Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. It's really affordable. So that would be in a trade situation. Yeah. 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 But then you're talking about giving up assets to go. Yeah, you'd have to give up compensation. You'd probably have to. Get, I mean, I would guess there'd be enough interest that you'd have to give up a a first round pick probably but as is well founded i mean we have landry we have nick chubb who eventually we're gonna have to resign more importantly miles garrett and denzel ward and baker all at the same time like if we're gonna keep all of those people which i don't think we can keep all of them um but having baker on an affordable deal locked in long term is going to be a huge help to that um and i think we can win with baker i really do so let's keep talking about this game. The other player that really stuck out to me, I think the surface level, you look at the box score, and even watching the game, like because of how many touches he had, it was by far Jarvis Landry's best game. He had his first touchdown. He had like eight catches, 100-something yards. Absolutely. I mean, 
had phenomenal catch after phenomenal catch, played great. But when I rewatched, like I noticed it when we watched the first time, but Kaderil Hodge was ridiculous in this game. I think he only had three catches, but every single one of them, every single one of them, I would not have blamed him if he did not catch the ball. Like they were all absolutely insane catches that kept the ball moving down the field. They were either slightly overthrown, like, or there was the one on the sideline, on the left sideline, where he came down and he actually got his knee inbounds as he came down, but it was on a third down play. Baker threw it like late in the play and had great placement, honestly, on the ball, but it still required a phenomenal catch from Kaderil Hodge. Like, when we signed that guy, all I knew about him was that he was a good special teams player. And I thought anything we would get from him, like on the offensive side of the ball, was just going to be gravy. And it feels like he just continues to get a little bit better and give us a little bit more, like week after week. I just really like him as a player overall. He, he well, looks we- like a capable number two wide receiver right now. Like he, even in those catches, like in traffic and on the sideline, like they were so confident. Like that catch on the sideline, you described, he had to catch that first time. Like you've got to do that fluid. You you don't have time to to mess around or double clutch um, it or anything. Double clutch yeah. that in that catch in traffic when uh, Baker was rolling out to his right and it was kind of a, a broken play and um, he hit Hodge right there in traffic. Like that that's a contested catch with a defender on your back and it just stuck on him. Yeah, I and mean we would be in a different position there wasn't if he hasn't on whether he was going to catch it or not. He just knew it. Yeah, we'd be in a completely different position if we didn't have Kaderil step up like this in o- OBJ's absence. I mean, like, I don't know. We have nowhere else to look for this type of player. We've got no other. We've exhausted all options. He's so the only He's the only player on our roster right now, quite literally, that can stretch the field. Yeah, and we haven't even used him in that facet, really. Like, we definitely didn't this previous week. Um, but I'm excited to be able to do that. And you need to have the threat, and that's really most of it is him being out there and being a threat to do that. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I couldn't agree more. Very excited about Kadero Hodge. And I, I don't know where his place is on this team moving forward, if anywhere. Um, except well, for I don't think he, be a backup, he's not signed past this year, which is an interesting nugget in that. Like, I wonder how they're going to handle him going hmm. forward. I mean, we have a bunch of question marks as far as the wide receiver room goes. I feel like, I mean, OBJ and Landry are in the midst of longer-term deals, but they're owed a ton of money. There's questions related to that. There's Hodge, who's a younger player that isn't that proven, but is clearly showing a lot of the tools that you want to see. And um, it'll just be interesting to see how they how they play that. I mean, Higgins is in a pretty similar boat to Kaderil Hodge in that he's playing on a one-year deal, doesn't have commitments past the season. I mean, I Andrew Barry has a lot of decisions to make. It'll be interesting to see what our offensive weapons look like going forward. And one weapon that I know will be a part of our team for a long time going forward and is catching a little heat after this game is Harrison Bryant. Oh, yeah. Well, we were talking about this during the game. It's just so disappointing that, like, that fumbling issue is his issue. You know, like, by every other measurable metric he has been an outstanding steal and a fantastic tight end 
He, he blocks well. They use him as a chess piece on that offense. They move him around. He plays H-back a little bit. He goes plays on both sides. Like He tries so hard. He cares so much. He can catch the ball really well. He's, got he's running great fine hands. routes yep. um, by every other metric. But you can't throw him the ball if there's this risk of him fumbling so consistently. Well, he, he's done it twice. He's done I mean, it. it's two times. But how many receptions does he have on the year? I mean, like, it's a measurable percentage of the times that the ball has been in his hand. I think he has, like, 15 catches. Yeah, okay. That's over 10% of the times he has the ball. Yeah. Um, So it's super, super disappointing. And I feel like it's something that could be fixed, right? And you mentioned it while we were watching the game. Yeah, he... The big thing to me, and this is why I'm not concerned about this long term. First of all, like everything you've seen of him, whether you've watched Building the Browns or like heard any of the coaches talk about him, the dude just works his tail off. So I have no doubt in my mind that he's the type of person that will do whatever it possibly takes in order to train himself to like secure the ball. So that's number one, just from everything I've seen about him. But also, if you rewatch that play, he catches the ball, turns to go upfield covers the ball with both arms like you would do if you're like trying to be extra careful with ball security like if you're going into traffic and trying to fight through some tackles and then he starts to turn to like open up a little bit and like start running upfield and he starts to take the second arm off the ball and right as he does that is when Schobert comes in from behind and knocks the ball out and so my point is is that he's thinking about ball security. He's not holding the ball out in his palm like an OBJ or a Jarvis Landry like do on occasion and who, being but, careless but, with the ball. But who also don't fumble. They No, fair enough. Fair enough. But like I would be much more concerned if I saw him holding the ball and like leaving it out there like with a lack of ball security. He's clearly working and trying to be sure about it. But it's not the muscle memory is like clearly not there like it yeah. needs to be, and so I I just am not that a, concerned but, about. But here's physical limitation. He doesn't have the arms to get around. The okay, ball, okay. Right? He has I mean, tiny arms. Over. Shouldn't that make it easier for it to be tucked? Like I feel like that's like no, because you you really got to wrap around the ball to like give it give it a nice hug. He doesn't have the arm length to, to wrap around it. It's just. But here's my thing. Kind of like, here's my thing, Harrison Bryant. Just know who you are like know your role right like we are not looking for harrison bryant to get a bunch of yak yardage for this offense to move and this offense to function if he catches the ball every time and then drops to the ground i think this offense will continue to function just as effectively as it is right now we don't need him to gain a lot of extra yards we just need him to not fumble the ball like that's just that's who you are i'm sorry but it just catch it don't fumble I mean, it. I, Go I down. know he has two fumbles, two fumbles on the year, but I don't, I don't know that. It's more than Nick Chubb I don't know has. That's an elective or a productive solution to to the problem. I mean, he, he just needs to. We we know from the from the the um, OBJ, um, what was it, the Dallas game where Harrison Bryant told OBJ to 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 stay. Stay in bounds, and OBJ said, "Thanks, Rook." Um, <laughs> Harrison Bryant's got the mentality, or he's at least like like mentally like thinking about the game and like situational awareness and 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 all that stuff. I would imagine he he knows that he knows that he needs to hold on to that football. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure, he knows. But if he's physically incapable of doing it because of the length of his arms, then I want him <laughs> to go straight to the ground. Um, but, yeah, that is true. And a great high point of the year as a whole, Harrison Bryant has been. Let's talk positives here. I mean, the whole rookie class has been pretty phenomenal, if you're asking me. I mean, there's not a player that we drafted that I'm like, that was a dumb idea. Yeah. I mean, there's not a single one. It's kind of great. I mean, Delpit's hurt, but that's like the worst thing you can say about the entire entire class. Yeah. When is Jacob Phillips coming back? He played this week. Have you, have yeah, you he, heard? he was out there. He was out there? Yeah. I missed him. I don't think he had any tackles, but he was out there. He did. He had two. Two tackles for Jacob Phillips. You were distracted, Matthew Kuhn. Yeah, yeah what, were you, how, what were you doing during the game, bro? At my house. Um, just sitting on my own couch, drinking beer, watching the Browns by myself. Mm, that's the dream. That's the dream. Fun, fun times. I don't know. I don't like doing that by myself nearly as much as sitting, watching it with you and dad being ridiculous. It's a lot yeah, more it's not fun. the same. I will not clarify. You said watching it with you. And then it was a different declarative statement about dad being ridiculous. Matthew isn't necessarily ridiculous while we watch the game, just for our listeners. Um, also, dad's not poor dad. He's just been weathered by many years yeah, of Brown's tragedy. It's not his fault. Um, I'm sure many of our listeners feel the exact same way and were far more upset about the way that game was turning out because they've learned to be that way. Um it, but it turned out differently this week, and we are eight and three. Let's go. Let's talk about um, this uh, playoff picture, because um, obviously we're, we're talking about the playoffs now. Yeah, I've been wanting to talk about this yeah. since like week three. No, well, yeah, in well, week three, we are, you told us that it was clear that the Patriots were one of the teams that were going to make the playoffs. Like that, the picture was sound. That it was obvious who was going to make I also it. I said the Dolphins were definitely out of it. And, and the Dolphins are squarely in the playoff picture. So I, I will take my lumps at yeah. that point. Well, I was trying to give you a hard time then about the fact that you definitely don't know what the playoff picture looks like in week three, and you just didn't want to hear it from me. Hey, hey, but on on whole, the, the Patriots and the Dolphins average out, and it was, it was roughly the same. Yeah, that's fair. Well, I so I can't stop thinking about how these playoff scenarios could possibly play out. And there is a deep anxiety in my bones that we could miss the playoffs at 11 and five. And that's just, that's just <laughs> ludicrous. If that happened, it's I, not going to happen. It is. It's possible. You run the simulator and just go, go ahead and see on the NFL or ESPN.com playoff machine. There's many different ways it can happen that we miss the playoffs at 11 and 5. Uh, this AFC is so competitive. Luckily that, that if we get to 11 and 5, I don't think the chances are very very good that we miss the playoffs. No, if, I agree. If we get to 11 and 5, we're going to be the 5th seed in the playoffs. There's no way we miss the playoffs. And I've I've played with the playoff simulator. There's just too many teams uh, like that are in playoff contention that play each other. The thing that makes me feel like, a lot better is ha- all this COVID stuff going on with the Ravens. No, but if the Steelers give up, if the Steelers lose to the Colts, that's the big swing. If the Steelers lose to the Colts and the Dolphins beat the Chiefs, if both of those things happen, not the most likely, but 
the Steelers are probably going to lose a the game. They're not going to go. One undefeated. of those things could happen. Yeah. Both of those Both things of happening, happening is unlikely. Yeah. I don't know. So anyway, but this next upcoming game against the Titans um, is uh, going to be a big deal for us just to get a win in the win column. I mean, the Titans are um, in the lead in uh, the AFC South. So, um, we're probably not going to be fighting with them head to head um, to fill one of those wild card spots, but that win against Indianapolis looks really good for us because we're going to be directly competing with. I mean, we them. definitely could though. Like, I mean, there's a lot of ways this thing plays out. Um, we beat them, and the Colts keep winning, and we definitely could be in that scenario. So, like, I, I mean, they're yeah. right in that same mix in the AFC, right around the same record as us. I mean, this is a huge game, and like. The Browns, we talked about last week, needed to win one of these three tough games to finish the year. This is one of them. Yes. And if we're going to get to 11-5, and five, we have to beat one of either the Titans, the Ravens, or the Steelers. And it sure would be nice to knock the first one off. Yeah, it that, sure would be I mean, nice. that's... Here's, here's my thing about the Titans, is the rest of their schedule is they play the Lions, they play the Jags, and then they play the Texans. They also play the... Packers so they can lose to the Packers yeah it's just like it's they have a super easy schedule throughout the rest of the year and so I, I feel like they're gonna they're gonna win the AFC South if I had to guess and um, but who knows um but there's just so many good teams someone's gonna be 10 and 6 and they're not gonna make the playoffs even with this extra playoffs oh, wild card oh yeah I believe that which is super disappointing that, that, that can happen the the Browns are in an interesting situation where they're one of the top teams in the AFC right now, and pretty much the best they can do is get that fifth wild card spot. Like we're we're competing against those other teams because the Steelers are what eleven and zero at this point, and unlikely to to drop three games to where we we could be level with them. Um, what's most interesting to me is thinking about. Which of these teams is the most favorable matchup, like going into the playoffs? Like, would you? I mean, it's looking like it's going to be Colts, Titans, or Bills if the Browns make the playoffs. Which of those teams? I want to play the Bills. Would, do we want? I want to play the Bills because I don't think that their front seven. You know, is Josh good. Allen can take it. Um. Yeah, I don't know if it's Josh Allen as much. I guess that's definitely a factor. But I also just don't think that their like run defense is as good as um, those other teams. I don't know. The Titans aren't very good. I'll play anybody besides the Chiefs or the Steelers, and I'll be happy. And I'll like our chances to potentially win a playoff game. I mean, we've already beaten the Colts. Yeah. We I could definitely which, see us which, beating I mean, really, the Which really just needs avoiding that seventh. Um, yeah, that seventh wild card spot right i mean if we're if we finish in that five or six slot we'll get we'll get the, the third or the fourth colts titans or bills yeah at this, um, at this which point which is uh as favorable uh playoff matchup as you could expect yeah this year. i agree with that I not actually... as interesting is over in the nfc where where I, I think teams in the nfc west might be fighting to not win their division that they can get the fifth wild card spot so that they could play the winner of the nfc east in the first round <laughs> wouldn't that be a strat 
Wouldn't like, like the the different if that if that division comes down to like week seventeen game, the difference in winning and losing that game is going to be drastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how important is it to win your first playoff game to start building some momentum and having it against a patty cake team? That's fantastic. It'll be it. It could likely be the difference between playing like the Giants or playing the Buccaneers. Yeah, makes me so drastic. Yeah, it is crazy. I'm, yeah, I'm worried about the Chiefs. I'm worried about the Steelers. I mean, we can't beat the Steelers. I I don't see a world where we beat the Steelers. Uh, I see a world where we beat the Steelers. Really? Tell me how that game plays. I, I'd out. rather play the Steelers than the Chiefs. Yeah, I don't think I would after watching what because the, Raiders the Steelers have been able offense to... the Steelers offense can give you points in a way that the Chiefs couldn't do that like and I think the Browns can score some points on the Steelers like I'm not optimistic about them like piling up points against the Steelers but I just think that the Steelers offense is very is very hit or miss and not all that consistent at all and we could make some noise create some turnovers and like find a path to victory there. In a you way can, that, like, we're not going to be able to... just doesn't matter. Right. Like, we're not going to be able to keep up with the Chiefs. Like, they'll yeah. just run all up and down the field on us. But I, I feel like we're built the way that the Titans beat the Ravens last year, right? Like, we can get... If we get ahead at the beginning of the game, and then we just manage the clock throughout the entire game, and we... Like, I, I feel like we can just run the ball... I feel like we can run the ball against the Chiefs. I definitely think we can. Um, the, my problem with the Steelers is I don't think we're actually going to be able to run the ball or pass the ball against the Steelers. I like our offensive matchup against the Chiefs defense way more than I like our offensive matchup against the Steelers defense. And I think we're going to need to score points in either of those games to be able to win, and I don't think that we can score points against the Steelers. Mostly because of how poorly Baker's performed whenever he's under pressure, um, which is one of the reasons why I kind of like looking forward to this Titans game to see how Baker performs when this terrible Titans uh, pass rush is going against our offense. Man, I'm so bummed that there's a freaking pandemic and we can't go to this game. We currently don't have a path to go to this game. Like, it's 20 minutes down the road and we aren't going to be there. Sucks. Yeah, I, I live in the same county. As this game is happening, so and frustrated. Not gonna be there. Oh man! I mean, we could probably <laughs> still go to the game if we really wanted to. It, it, I don't have any avenues to get there. Anyways, I think StubHub might get us there. www.stubhub.com. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you, my six-year-old would love to go to this game. He keeps talking about it. Oh, that would be so fun, man. Dude, if that, he knows the Browns are playing here in Nashville. Yes. Like he's playing together. Yes. If that would get Luke super into Cleveland Browns football, I would pay anything, <laughs> any amount of money. Oh, man. Well, I think the Browns, I think the Browns play here again next year. Didn't we look that up? How is that the case? We wouldn't know that yet. No, we would because it's all decided. If if the AFC South is already no, because no, we put the AFC, the AFC South, South this is year. this year though. That's the point. No, if we finish in the same location, it could be. 
that we play this. Yeah, but it wouldn't necessarily be that we play here. If we finish the same in our division, which is not looking likely, in my opinion, at this point, um, unless the Colts end up winning, <clears throat> then we would again. And that would be what? That would be three years in a row. Yep. That we'd play the Titans. Um, all right, so let's talk, let's talk more about this game. Um, how do you guys think this game will play out? Um, I don't know exactly what the line is, but where do you think the interesting matchups are? I think it's their defensive line and will they be able to get pass rush on Baker. Um, they haven't been able to do that in the past. And so I'm excited for Baker to be able to sit back in the pocket, have time to go through his progressions, find, distribute the ball all around the field, and then Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, chunt, just getting after it. Um, sure. I'm excited to show Titans fans because we live in Nashville. So I have a, so many Titans fans that it is far superior to have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt than yeah. just have Derrick Henry, um, which none of them believe. Um, but I really want them to see so that they finally believe. It would be nice for Chubb to like have another day and just be phenomenal. Okay, the one play... I know we're moved on from the Jaguars game. Oh, come on. He was trying to move us on, and now you're He did us great. Back. He did great. But the problem is, is Nick Chubb is so boring that, like, you don't want to talk about him because there's, like, nothing, like, crazy. That play where he put the game away, it was, like, third and 12 or whatever, and we gave him the screen, the screen pass. pass. And he runs to the sideline and just, like, stops on a dime and lets the defender go past him. Then he just fell forward because he knew he was at the first down marker and held the ball out. Like, that was the most quintessential Nick Chubb play I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, completely under control, fully aware of the circumstances and the situation, and, like, putting us in the best position to succeed. Like, just crossed, checked every single box. Um, Nick, Nick Chubb is absolutely the man. It we was agree on that. It was so good. It was so good. So, anyways, I, I had to acknowledge that, and now we I, can... I will say there's. I I saw some people tweeting about this, and maybe it was just one tweet that was being amplified, but people asking if Nick Chubb is the best running back the Browns have had since Jim Brown. Is there a question? Like who? Yeah, I don't know who else. Would. Leroy Kelly, maybe. Like, yeah, no, I don't think. There's... I don't. I don't know. I didn't watch a lot of Leroy Kelly back in the day, but <laughs> I wonder how many of our listeners <laughs> did watch Leroy Kelly. Like, how many? I how many in that age bracket do we have? If you are listening to this podcast and you're also on Twitter, please tweet us and tell us that you loved watching Leroy Kelly in the day. I mean, but, Nick, Nick uh, Chubb hasn't been on. Is, is there anybody who who even? presents a, like a, a realistic argument in your mind uh, i mean in the modern era no like in the modern era the browns have not had a better running back than Nick. 1999 plus is that yeah. your modern era okay yeah because modern era nfl is like super bowl era yeah okay i mean like jamal lewis i should say expansion era i guess pop yeah, a lot jamal lewis is really good yeah and, but, i mean nick chubb's Nick Chubb's better than Jamal Lewis as a Brown, right? I mean, like, yeah, if Nick Chubb was getting all the carries every single game, I feel like it would be yeah. definitive. Jamal Lewis was no, getting, like, even so, Nick Chubb's better than Jamal Lewis was when he was with the Browns. 
Jamalos just had a couple of those games that were so ridiculous. Um, but Nick Chubb's been consistent. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's really a question. And I mean, he's, he's got a long way to go to, to be better than Jim Brown for sure. <laughs> I mean, as, as does everybody, but I mean, if, if that, that ever becomes losing arguments that I don't, I don't think you can ever do enough. To... <laughs> I actually don't know if he could. I, at what point are you saying like, okay, the hardest Nick part... Chubb is better than Jim I mean, Brown. 1500 yards of the Browns win like the next five Super Bowls. The hardest part okay, about that. Maybe is that Jim Brown was so elite and so dominant and then stopped. And so it's like, you it's yeah. almost impossible to create that same level of production over the first nine seasons of your career like Jim Brown had. And so even if you surpass his like total like production over the course of your career, you're always like you're not going to be able to do it with the same like level at the same level as he was. There, always... There's just the what if of like, well, Jim Brown could have kept doing it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's kind of got the mantle and I don't think anyone's no, he's, catching it. He's the goat status and you, you can never quite overtake the goat once they're the goat. So it's yeah. good. The, the Browns are going to have to win a lot of Super Bowls in the next uh, decade for, for Nick Chubb to ever take that mantle. But um, kudos to Chubb for for being, in my mind, the the second best running back the Cleveland Browns have ever had. And enjoying Browns fans because there's a legitimate chance that he's not going to be a Cleveland Brown for his whole career. Oh, yeah. I think we, we got planting that seed now so that we don't have utter disappointment whenever the time comes. I'm not year. saying I'm cheering for it, um, but I'm saying it's a real possibility, and I won't be necessarily mad if Andrew Barry well, decides to go in that isn't direction. Isn't Nick Chubb the kind of guy that's going to take a team favorable deal? Right, like that's that's like kind of like the money equivalent of like stepping out right before the end zone. <laughs> Just uh, like, isn't it? I I if, hope if that's the, true, but I don't know that. That's I don't. True. I mean, no one can speculate Who knows what's, what's actually going, going on, on in between head. his ears like literally nobody knows but i'd like to think it's like <laughs> sunshine and butterflies and he just wants think, the browns to win i think there is something to be said not about necessarily taking a team-friendly deal but but being realistic and being willing to to sign with the team that you've been with i mean we've seen some of these running backs like Le'Veon bell like passed up the steelers deal um, to sign with the Jets and ended up not getting any more money with the Jets. Like, um, he would have been better off just staying with the Steelers. Yeah. So and I, then just like... I, I think that Nick Chubb's the type to like take the bird in the hand, not the two in the bush. Um, whether that's a team friendly deal, I don't know, but we'll see what the Browns are willing to offer. Um, like, what, what, what echelon? Like, yeah, I'm good here. Like, what echelon of like highest paid backs would you want to pay him? It's in, really in, hard. Two, in two years, you know, like it's like not the, in two years though. He has one more season under yeah. contract. So in two years after yeah, next but, season. But what's typical? He's a year ahead of like Dalvin Cook, and like, I mean, I'm not saying that he's going to follow the same path that any all other running backs do. But when you're eligible for an extension, typically a player is going to hold out until like they get that extension. Like, and that would be this coming off season if he would choose to go that route. And so it's really not far in the future at all. 
it's probably this offseason where they need to make a move unless Nick Chubb just is like completely and his agent are just completely sitting on their hands and like waiting for the Browns to do something. And so it's a decision that probably needs to be made this offseason. And there's a bunch of running back deals that just went out. You know, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Joe Mixon, all those guys, the Derrick Henry, all of them just got signed to extensions this offseason. The cheaper of those four is Joe Mixon and Derrick Henry. And they're in like the twelve million dollar a year range. I think Derek's at fourteen. Derek Henry's money uh, Dalvin's is, is about twelve million dollars too. Dalvin's oh, is, is like twelve I mean, and a half. Okay, maybe he's not fourteen. Yeah. Um, I'm telling you, Henry and I just looked it up the other day. Henry and Mixon are the cheaper of the two, um, and they're in the like twelve million dollar range per year. Twelve five. Um, so it's tough. I don't know if I want to spend $13 million I mean, on you... a running back. Okay, so I was talking to one of my Titans fans, uh, friends today. I mean, but, like, the the Titans made the definite right decision to, re, to sign Derrick Henry. Like, they needed Derrick Henry. Wouldn't you say that our team needs Nick Chubb? Like, I, how long can we keep doing this, like, Kareem Hunt? Like not paying him a lot of money thing. Yeah, well, uh, the Cowboys would say the same. Th- would have said the same thing about Zeke whenever they signed him last year too. Yeah. I mean, um, I guess I get. I mean, but doesn't the question really become like, it's allocation of resources? Like, would you rather have Nick Chubb at uh, a higher contract number or or Wyatt Teller? Keep OBJ or keep no. Jarvis. Lynch? No, I th- I honestly think it comes down to like Wyatt Teller. It's like if you got to pick between Wyatt Teller or Nick Chubb, what's more important? Yeah, I'd rather have Wyatt Teller. I think so too. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I would. I mean, Wyatt Teller's. I'm, I want to see it from Wyatt Teller for for longer term. He's kind of a flash in the pan at this point. He's been great. But what's it? What's to say we don't put another? Uh, what was he, a fourth or fifth round pick from the Bills that we, we traded for with Bill Callahan. He doesn't become another Wyatt Teller. I'm going Wyatt Teller. I want the elite offensive line, and you keep drafting and churning running backs through. You've got Kareem Hunt on a $6 million deal, and you've got the other guy to to make it happen. If you've got the elite offensive line, you're going to still have a running game. But I just, I just think I see it even between Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, like what Nick Chubb can do in that. Yeah, it is different opportunities versus what Kareem Hunt does. And Kareem Hunt's good. Kareem Hunt's really, really freaking good. Yeah. Nick, um, I, but how much so longer I, I is Nick Chubb going to be better? That's the I'll, thing. I'll take Nick Chubb. Yeah, yeah, I would too. But like, how much longer is Nick Chubb going to be Nick Chubb as there is this ever looming precipice? of fall off and fall out from running backs in their NFL career, you know? And that's, is that a gamble you're willing to take? And so like, yes, Nick Chubb today might be worth that amount of money, but are we willing to risk paying him that much money, possibly guaranteed to be that man who he is today in five years? That's why I like the contract the Titans signed Henry on. They can get out after like two years and it's, 
very minimal. Yeah, they'll penalties. have a $6 million dead cap after two like, years. That's the type of deal you have to sign a running back to, is one that has most of the guarantees like early and has limited penalty to like move on. Because and I mean, that's, that's what I would expect. I mean, even that Dalvin Cook contract, it was three years, but it was like $4 million dead cap or something like that. It, it, was, it was something that was palatable after after a handful of years. Um, I'll, I'll sign a big number contract to keep Nick Chubb around for, for four more seasons. Oh, yeah. I'm, I mean, what, he's only 25. I think he's going to be good. For, yeah, for but you, you look at it, and Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson are both making more money than Derrick Henry. And, like, how terrible of a situation are you in that you're paying David Johnson that much money? I mean, imagine trading for that contract. Oh man! All right. Well, these are conversations we're going to continue to have. Maybe, maybe we sign Nick Chubb to a bad deal, and then Bill O'Brien becomes a GM again, and we can just offload him. Oh, that is a shame, actually, that we don't have that guy to like just make deals with. Just a nice out. And Gettleman's still there. You know, we should have really celebrated that and really like acknowledged how much help Bill O'Brien like gave to the Browns. And man, yeah, that a is bummer. a sad deal. And the Dolphins, the Dolphins are still <laughs> celebrating. <laughs> Dolphins are celebrating hard right now as they're about to make the playoffs with a top five pick in their back pocket. So Dane put out yeah, his like a top ten pick. <laughs> so Dane put out his mock draft his very first mock draft for 2021 today um, had the Browns taken a defensive end from Penn state, somebody I don't know anything about at this particular juncture. Um, but he then for the teams that did not have a first round pick, he like, you know, made a selection for their first pick of, of, of the year. Yeah. And so there's like two teams that don't have a first round pick. And so they, their first picks in the second round. And then the Texans aren't picking till the third round. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just so sad. Like they don't have a coach. They don't have a GM. They don't have a first round or second round pick coming up. And they're going to be in the, How do you... Oh, and they're, we bad. should, we should send a message. Like, I want to know Dane's process for that. How do you even like, did he just pick a guy who he had a third round evaluation for that? Like fit a need. Surely. Like certainly he didn't Surely. do a three round mock just no. to get to that. At this stage of the game, I hope he just picked a player that like fits a position of yeah, need that's going to great. Yeah, if, like, if just, he did a three round mock just to project the matter. Texans pick, uh, he needs a friend and <laughs> he needs a talking to. <laughs> um, all right. Um, well, what do you, what do you guys think? Well, well, we'll pick it in the lines, but what do you guys think is the outcome of this game before we get to the lines? I, I'm hesitant. I think to it's say a favorable that. matchup. Yeah, I think it's a favorable matchup for the Browns' offense. I'll say that. Um, Texans or Titans' defense is not is not great. So I think I mean, and particularly their pass defense is not great. So uh, I think we're going to be able to do some things. It's kind of a our our really dominant strength is gonna overwhelm their mediocre strength, and then we'll we'll get there. But 
Yeah. So here's, also- a, here's a question I think is going to have a lot of bearing on this game. Miles Garrett's been out because he's had COVID. Yep. He, was, he was sick. He has COVID. He's been missed two games. We expect him to be back for this game. Although I don't know that that's certain yet. Stefanski like, said they expected him back on Wednesday. He okay. said that today. Okay, that's good. Yeah, he, ha- he has to pass a number of tests and do some some conditioning drills and stuff and pass. Well, all that, that. kind of leads to my question: What should we expect from Miles Garrett coming up? Like, is he going to be fresh from not having any hits on his body for two weeks? Is he going to be exhausted from having COVID for two weeks and like not be able to catch his breath like during the game, like? What is the level of expectation for our elite defensive end, Miles Garrett, in this particular game? Because I really think that I there's him but- to be in a pitch now. I expect him to be kind of more of a situational pass rusher type. Well, what is well, well? We never had any information about like what Miles's actual case of COVID was like. So I mean, like he, if he- had symptoms. I mean, he woke up and didn't feel well, and then that's why. And didn't come into the facility. Was tested and then tested positive. So, like, yeah, but like, did he have like intense respiratory systems where like he was having symptoms where he's having problems breathing, or did he have like a a mild case of like the flu, like a ton of people have, you know? But I mean, even even if he had the flu for for a couple days and then didn't work out for a week, I would expect him to be winded. I mean, yeah. even a guy like Miles Garrett. I guess the at the end of the day, what I'm saying is, I think Miles Garrett's gonna pl- will play a significant role in this game, and the degree to which he can affect the game is gonna play a fact a significant factor. And um, I'm interested to see how that plays out. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm op- yeah. I'm optimistic that I think he's going to be really fresh, um, and unless his is symptoms in his case was worse than i'm picturing as a healthy young 20 something um god of a human being yeah just absolute behemoth um i hope that he's super fresh and i hope he just feasts because the titans offensive line has had a bunch of injuries they're on their like their third string tackle right now um so i mean whether it's him or whether it's vernon and the way he's playing or claiborne i think no matter who's in there they're gonna eat i hope it's miles yeah, I expect our defensive line to to be able to make an impact. Um, like Mark said, the offensive line of the Titans is is hurting, um, especially at that left tackle position. So um, it, it almost reminds me of last season when um, Taylor Lewan was out last year, right? And and Miles, we expected Miles to go dominate, and then it didn't quite pan out that way. We did not. That game sucked. I'm still sad about that game. Um, well, we will see. What is uh, the line of this game, Michael? Um, and what are all the lines? I've got them here. Give me just a second. The line of this game has moved in the Titans' favor significantly. It opened at three and a half, and has come all the way to five and a half. Mm. Um, so we'll, let's go ahead. We'll pick the Browns game first. Um, we've been talking about it. We might as well go there first. Um, I got to tell you, I don't think I'm going to pick the Browns this week. I, if it was closer within like three points or around three points, I might be able to do it. But uh, no, I, 
I'm thinking about this. I'm I'm thinking about this the wrong way. It's five and a half points. It's at five and a half in Tennessee's favor. So that actually does make me want to pick the Browns a little bit more. Well, that, that's why I was confused. I was, I was thinking it was in Tennessee's favor, not, not the Browns favor. And I was surprised that you were going that way. Yeah, no, no, no. It's in Tennessee's favor. Um, Michael thinking hard. We had a whole argument about it last week. I just think it's going to be, I, I do think it's going to be a close game. Um, I'll go the Browns. I can do that now that it's at five and a half points. Um, I feel better about that than picking the Titans to cover six. Um, but, man, I right. do think this is going to be a really hard game, and I don't know that the Browns are necessarily going to win, um, to be perfectly honest. But I'll, I'll pick them to cover five and a half points. I think that the Browns are going to win. I think that they're going to win this game. I We need to step up in a game like this. And I feel like the ability is going to match the occasion. And we need this win. We really do. Um, if we want to make the playoffs and we want to be that team, we have to win a game like this. And I, I think that we're going to. If we win this game, I'm going to feel so much more confident about the Browns moving forward. Um, and so I'm choosing to believe that we are going to win this game. Um, and so also cover. Matthew? If we win this game, the hype... Hype train's gonna be up to like eleven. Nine and three, having just beat a playoff team. We're gonna be in in position. Um I'm I'm playing strategy here. I'm going boring. I'm gonna take the Titans because I'm gonna make up some ground. But that that is has nothing to do with my my allegiances and all to do with my competitive nature. <laughs> Fair enough. Um we'll make this last pick really quick. Um it's the most boring game I can possibly imagine. The There's no Thursday night game because of all the shenanigans going on with Baltimore and Pittsburgh. They moved that game on Thursday night. And so the only other game we're picking this week is Sunday night, which is the Denver Broncos, who don't have a quarterback at the moment, um, playing the Kansas City Chiefs, probably the best team in the NFL, who are favored by 14 points. Um, even though it's 14 points, I think I'm still going to take the Kansas City Chiefs um, in this particular game. Um, Matthew, I'll make you pick this one next. I'm going to take the Broncos. You know, they're going to have a quarterback. I mean, unless all of those quarterbacks end up testing positive for COVID, they'll be out of that protocol. Yeah, well, um, they signed. They the signed. just signed Kyle Schumer, Pat Schumer's kid. Yep. So – so they they should not have to start hinting at quarterback again this week. Uh, I'll I'll take the Broncos. Yeah, they still have to cover fourteen points though. Good gracious, Mark, what's your what's your pick? I am going to take the Chiefs as well. I'm um, looking at their schedule right now. These I, two I, particular teams met earlier in the season, and the score was forty three to sixteen. Um, so that is going to be my benchmark. They've already played. And I'm going to say the Chiefs are going to win by more than 14 points. Fair enough. Matthew, you have an opportunity, and you really need to cover some ground. Mark's still leading us. Um, I'm two games behind Mark, and Matthew's two games behind me. So we have potential for a significant swing um, this week. We will see what happens. Either Matthew's buried or he uh, finds himself crawling his way back up. 
All righty then. Thanks so much for listening, Browns fans. We appreciate you. If you have something you would love for us to cover on the podcast, send us an email. We love to hear from you guys at sinofourfathers at gmail.com um, or reach out to us on Twitter, Sin of Our Fathers. Thanks so much for listening and go Browns. Thank you.